Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Matthew 2, verse 1 through 2, gives us an example of God using wise men. How many know wise men still seek him? I've been parked around these scriptures for several weeks. And it says there, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king? Everybody say king of the Jews. He wasn't elected. He wasn't put into office. He didn't come in because his father stepped down. He was, a, he was born a king, amen? For we have seen his star, I want to say star, in the east and are come to worship him until you see him as your beacon of hope, until you see him as your star of light, until you see him as your guiding truth, you will not truly know how to worship him. In fact, the Bible says they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, it's small s for human spirit, but also represents the spirit of God, that you cannot truly worship God in power and in might until you are filled with spirit and you also know truth. Because truth itself can be legalistic, brothers and sisters. It can be all rules and no fun. Amen? But whenever you have spirit, you have something that guides you, that balances your life between the law and the grace of God, between the wrath and the love of God, amen? All of the things that we know God to be to us is found through his grace, and we're saved by that grace through faith, and that faith is invested in the work of Jesus Christ who came for us, the light and bright shining star who changed all of the darkness into holiness hope and everlasting joy. I'm so grateful that I know that there's still a star of hope in my life. And I just come to preach for a little while on this Sunday after Christmas. Don't forget the star, brothers and sisters. While you're putting up Christmas tree and while you're loving the kids, enjoying their gifts, don't forget that the star needs to still be put at the top of the tree. The star still needs to be put at the top of our life. The star still needs to be the one beacon of hope that we share with a lost and dying world that nobody needs to live their life out in, in, in darkness and think that there's no way to come out for there is a star in Christ Jesus. Amen, somebody. Numbers 24, 17 tells us that. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him. Brother Reese handled it very well a few weeks ago in Spirit Life class, Balaam and Balak, and the story as he was trying to provide a, a curse over the people of Israel, and, and Balak had hired Balaam, I believe is how it goes, or the other way around. But I think it's Balak and Balaam. I get the two mixed up every once in a while. Anybody want to read the Bible with me and forget it? <laughs> it happens. But he wanted him to curse the people of Israel, and, and you cannot curse what God has blessed, amen? That's where we get that anchoring principle from the Word of God, from this story. And so that whenever Balaam opened his mouth and began to, to so-called curse them because he was paid to curse the people of Israel, he started to speak, and he said, I cannot curse what God has already blessed. God is not a man that he should die, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not said it, will he not do it? Hath he not spoken it, will he not bring it to pass? And so Balak says, Show 
shut up, stop speaking. You're not cursing, you're blessing. And Balaam said, how can I not bless what God has already blessed? And how can I not speak what God has already said? Because if he said it, it's going to be done. And if the light has come, the darkness cannot fight it. The darkness cannot stop it. Culture cannot turn it around. Truth cannot be stopped, though it is harsh. Amen. You can you cannot catfish truth, brothers and sisters. You cannot tell it like it is and it not be truth. You have to speak the truth in love because truth is always straightforward. And sometimes some truths can seem very ugly and very harsh. But when you speak the truth in love, when you tell it through the eyes of a baby and a manger and a God who divested himself, what king would leave his throne? What king would divest himself of all glory and honor and authority to come and cry in a cold manger? The God who I serve will do that for me. And he did that for you. And he put a star in the sky to say, this is my Christmas story. This is my Christmas star. This is the prophecy that has come. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not now. There shall come a star out of Jacob thank God and a scepter shall rise out of Israel in other words he shall be born a king with a scepter in his hand I know it's deceiving it's just a baby in a major but that baby holds a scepter that baby holds all authority that baby holds all power and that power would be revealed in his name the name above every name the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess scripture says prophesied in Isaiah also we know that that knee shall also cause those to bow their knee and give oath to God. Amen. That he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. Amen. He knows what he's doing when his star showed up in the sky. And we understand this. Astrologers have tried to figure out the star of Bethlehem for many, many years. But I can tell it to you like this. Whenever the little grandson sat on Grandpa's lap and said, Grandpa, what was the favorite gift you got this Christmas? And Grandpa said, I can tell you which one it is. And he pointed at the top of the Christmas tree, and he said, you see that star? That star represents the star of Jesus over Bethlehem, and Jesus coming is the greatest gift I've ever had. Anybody want to join that grandfather and say, Jesus is the greatest gift that ever came to your life? So they have studied it. They have tried to figure out where did the star of Bethlehem come from or what was it? What was that Christmas star appearing in the nativity story in the Gospels? Matthew chapter 2, as we read here, they were trying to figure it out. And the wise men from the east obviously followed it, those magi that were seeking Jesus Christ. They knew the prophecies. They knew that there was going to be a, a light in the sky. They knew that there was going to be a beacon. And they traveled to Jerusalem, and they found that star over Jesus' birthplace. And we know that they followed it. Some believes it, believe it was a comet. Some believe it was the, the lining of several planets. Some believe it was Jupiter and Venus, which realigned in, in uh, I believe it was May of or June, I'm sorry, of, of, of 2015, June 30th, in fact, in the night sky, they said you're going to see the Bethlehem star again because Jupiter and Venus are going to align themselves so closely that it's going to be one large, bright star. And when we look at all of the different studies of astronomy and they're trying to figure out which or what that was, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because the star was only to herald the one who came who was the light of the world. Amen? And so no matter how bright the star was, we celebrate it. But when we're 
were observing the things of Jesus Christ in the Bible, the Bethlehem star that came, that was a miracle, that was a beautiful miracle that God sent to say, I'm sending the Son into the world, the flesh, God Almighty coming through woman. I, I'm sending it, and I'm going to put a beacon of light in front of it. I'm going to put a beacon of light over it. You're going to know that it's happening because I'm going to give my prophecies fulfillment in that moment. And even though we stand and we observe the star so bright, I want you to know it says so much more. It says that when we're looking at that star, that it goes back to a place where there, there is hope and there is joy and there's understanding that a new day has come. A new baby has been born. Something new is happening. Oh, brothers and sisters, I feel like preaching today and I don't even know why I'm so feeling so preachy, but I tell you this, I don't apologize for it because whenever you look at the star, you look at Jesus Christ. You look at the power of who he is. You look at that when he came, darkness had to flee, amen? And I also know that whenever we were going out on Man Up Adventures, they said the best thing you can do is get to a place. If you want to see the stars, get to a place where there's no light pollution. In other words, there's no other lights except for that one light, amen? If you want to get to a place where you can see the stars the best, you need to go to a place where it's very dark. And there is there there is other times in history, brothers and sisters, the first century church where you can say it was very dark. But I've come to tell us we need to remember the star, amen? No matter how dark it gets, we see him better in the darkness. No matter how dark the day gets, no matter how dark the culture turns against him, no matter who they put in jail or in prison or in the coliseums, it did not matter because the darker the day, the brighter the light. The darker the day, the lighter the star, amen? And so this beacon of hope is going to get brighter and stronger and more powerful as the days get darker. So we shall see him better in these last days. But that darkness was pushed back. We understand that we have hope because no matter how dark it gets, the light is still bright. Remember not the darkness. They didn't look for how dark it was. They didn't estimate how much it was going to take them based upon the difficulties of dark ways and walking through nights and taking trails at, at the black of night. They weren't worried about that. The only thing the wise men focused on was the light of that star. They said, there's a star in the sky and a prophecy fulfilled and we shall go. And that's what the church should be saying today. Not how dark is our culture. Not how difficult is the path. Not how far do we have to go before Jesus comes back. But we need to put our eyes on the light and say the prophecies are being fulfilled. We know the season in which we live. We know the direction we're supposed to go. And we shall go toward the light. We shall go toward that star. I am not going to remember how difficult it was to get here. I'm not going to remember how difficult it was to get saved. I'm not going to remember how difficult it was to walk out of my addiction. I'm not going to remember how difficult it was to become what I am in Christ Jesus. I'm just going to keep looking at the star, brothers and sisters. Don't remember where you came from. Don't remember all the hurts, all the pains, all the struggles, all the difficulties. Just put your mind on Jesus and let him wash you and renew you and restore you. Put your eyes eyes on Jesus. Remember the star. Do not forget the star because it is in that walking and focusing on him that we bring all the good things that he is to our life. Go back to a place where you can see the star better. Go back to a place where you remember his first touch. 
Go back to a place where you remember a miracle power laid upon you. Go back to a place where someone prayed over you and prophesied. Go back to a place where maybe you were having difficulties and struggles, but don't remember how deep and dark it was, but remember the light that brought you out. Focus on the thing that brought you out, not the thing that got you there, not the struggle that you fell into, not the relationship that broke down, not the things that left your life, but what God brought when he stepped in and brought you out of those things. Focus on that. Forget the former things, brothers and sisters. Do not dwell on the past, Isaiah said. I'm trying to preach the word of God here today that it is the star that we're to focus on. It's, it's not easy to forget bad things that happen to you. And I'm not asking you to forget things. We're made to remember. We're made to store things away and attach them to chemicals and to feelings and to smells and to taste. You're, you're meant to store things like that in your mind in, in, in folders and remembrances. And, and those bad things, just as well as good things, store. I'm not asking you to forget. I'm asking you to put your mind on Jesus Christ. When you remember the bad things, don't focus on how they hurt you. You, how that stuck with you, how that, how that just washed over every other relationship for a while while you were grieving and coming out of what hurt you, but remember Jesus Christ in those moments, and in doing so, you can do what Isaiah said in 43.18. You can literally forget the former things, not that they've gone away, but that you focus on how God got you through that. That was the thing I remember. God brought me out of that. When that vehicle was turning over, God told me to put my hands over my head which protected me when that thing was happening that I didn't understand God told me to step into it this other relationship God told me to call my pastor in the middle of the night God told me to give an offering when I didn't have nothing and look what happened God provided God brought in a, a harvest in my life remember those things and in doing so it becomes such a difference from the things you went through and the hurt and the pain, the, it becomes such a difference that you literally don't remember first the wound. You remember the healer of the wound. You, you forget the former things in the way that you don't remember how it happened. You don't remember just how all the details went. You start to lose that for the celebration of the light that came and the revelation of who God is and how you changed and how you became different. Brothers and sisters, some things we go through, not for us, but for who will be touched by the things that they hear of your story. And so in that, you forget the former things because you celebrate all that God has done with the trial you went through why didn't God save the Hebrew boys before they went to the furnace if he was going to bring them out he could have brought them out the first time they needed it the first time they prayed he could have said that's good enough we'll take care of it but instead he took them through the furnace and when they came out of the furnace their clothes didn't smell like smoke they had not been burned and in the fire there was a fourth man dancing around with them what happened all of the nation began to worship the God of the Hebrew boys, if they had been saved at their first prayer, if they had been spared the pain and the trauma and the fear of going into the furnace, they would not have turned an entire nation around. But because they let God use their story, they 
forgot the former things for the later things. Amen. The latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. Revival's coming greater than anything we've ever seen before. I see it in my mind's eye. Why? Because I see the star shining over our lives. See, I am doing a new thing, he said. I'm doing a new thing in you. It's not, it's not easy to have God do a new thing, brothers and sisters. There's tension in new things. If you get a new phone, you're going to have trouble working it for a while. If you get a new thing in your life, there's going to be a tension of the old wanting to, to, to come in. Habits and ways of doing things are going to be in, in tension with the ways of doing the new thing. And the old men stood and wept and said, it's not like it used to be. It's, it's, it's not like the old days in Solomon's temple. It's not like where the Shekinah sat down, but it's not just the temple anymore, brothers. I understand it used to be beautiful and amazing, and it's not, it's not like it used to be. Be, but we're not just going to have the Shekinah in the temple anymore. We're going to have the Shekinah in our vessels, in our temples. It wasn't just a work at the tabernacle. It was a work in every tabernacle on the planet Earth. There is a new light shining, and God is doing a new work, and new always comes with tension. Now I spring up. Do you not perceive it? I am walking away. I am walking away in the desert and streams. I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. This is what God can do with new. If there's anybody going to do a new thing, you need God to do it in your life. Amen? Wise men still seek the star. Wise men still go after the star. Wise men still seek that light that was put into the earth that wasn't taken away. That word made flesh, amen. That word that was inspired by God. God breathed, 2 Timothy 3.16. We know that when that word came and that light came, it was this word and it's still our light today, amen. When you start to get in trouble or difficulty, you flip open that light. You open that star that was put in the earth. You open that word of God and it will give you direction. It will give you hope and it will give you life. It'll put peace in your moment, not the peace that you feel like you need to run after where you're running to something else and, and it's not giving you satisfaction, but when you have the peace of God through his, through his word, you will have a satisfaction in him. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that that word is all scripture, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and for correction. Amen. And we know that some habits die hard. We know that. But this word will bring you out of bad habits. Amen? This word is the light over your darkness. And if you just keep staying in the word, you will get more done with Jesus and his word than anything else in your life. You cannot better yourself by better habits and better goals and better plans if you don't have this word working in your life. This is the thing that changes you. Amen? And so we know that the Word of God is inspired by God. This is not 40 authors and 66 different books of good ideas. Amen? This isn't self-help struggles and teachings. And I know that we have to be careful what we put into the church and how, how we speak about the Word of God. And there are so many people that are, that are overwhelmed with, with self-help that they've taken the Scriptures and turned it into some sort, of, some sort of moment of themselves. And I know psychologists talk about this, where your thoughts and your feelings are always at the center of your universe because of, of it being you. It's you. You're, you. It's the biggest thing in your life because it's you. And there's something other than you 
you, brothers and sisters. You are not the star of the story. I want to tell you, you are not the star of this thing going on in the earth. You're not the star of this church. You're not the star of this moment. God can take out and put back in whoever he wants. Tomorrow, God can pull me out and put another pass. God can pull another musician out and put another me. God, God doesn't need us to do what he's going to do in the earth. Understand that even though we are prone to be surrounded by the center of the universe being our thoughts and our ways and our struggles and our hopes. We are not the star of this story. Jesus is the star of the story. Please do not forget who the star is in your story. It is not you. It is not your ideologies. It is not your opinions. It is not in what you think is truth. It is what the word of God says is true. It is what the word of God says is right. Amen. And our opinions are just those there are opinions. But if you want to know the truth, you got to go to the Word of God. This is not just good ideas. This is not just somebody's ideas. For all of us have ideas. We would be canonized, all of us, if we just went on ideas. But this is the Word of God, amen? And it was breathed by God. It was inspired by God. The Greek word theonostos. Theonostos means breathed or to blow. Amen. I feel a wind in that. Hallelujah. Have you heard about preaching about the wind lately? Written in 66 books, but he's, Paul is literally saying to Timothy, he's saying that every word came from the breath of God. Every word. So not only was the light put in the world and the peace of God put in the world, but he came as the word put into the world. Amen. So when I say don't forget the star, I'm saying don't forget about your joy. Don't forget about your peace. Don't forget about the word of God that's guiding you and giving you life today. Don't forget about the breath that is in your body that blows through you and is in you and is the life-giving force from God. And it's in this word as well, brothers and sisters, that you're living on the word when you're in the word of God. Amen? 1 John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word. Amen? And the word was with God, and the word was God. Amen, somebody. <laughs> First John 1 John 1.14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That star was Jesus Christ. It heralded him and he was it. Amen. The word was all, the word was all that existed in the beginning. The word became flesh and his name was Jesus. That name above every name that we heard about in that video. The word is now established or available to us in spirit and written form. Amen. Both things are the breath of God, the spirit of God, and the word of God. Written form, how awesome is it that laying in your lap tonight is not a history book, but it is the power of the breath of God for your life, amen? It can turn things around. Don't forget the star, brothers and sisters. Don't forget who we are here to serve. Don't forget that this is called Sunday service, not Sunday give me, brothers and sisters. This is where we come to serve serve the Lord. We don't come to be entertained. We come to entertain the blowing, the, the wind of the power of God, the spirit. We come to entertain God. We come to lift our hands and lift our voices. I don't know what you've got left in your life, but let everything that have breath praise ye the Lord. When you worship God, you are saying, I remember the star. I will not forget the star in my life. He he is the one who is to be celebrated. He is the breath 
of life in me. And I'm turning it and giving it back. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Maybe you don't feel like praising the Lord because you haven't been in the breath of God all week long. Maybe you don't feel like worshiping God because you haven't spent any time in the thing that blows in this earth, the word of God. If you spend time, oh, brothers and sisters, I like to say I'm an old man screaming at the sky, but I, I tell you, I'm not an angry man. But I remember the days when we walked in the back door and we had our thumb in our Bible to show somebody a word that we got a revelation on that week. I remember when we wouldn't come here with just electronic devices and I'm not preaching against Bible in your electronic device, but I remember when we came to the house of the Lord and we had a word of God and we wouldn't leave our Bible in the car. We went out to the car and we stuck it in the dash. Amen. And we drove around with King James Version in front of us because we wanted God ahead of our life. We wanted his wind to blow in our life. We wanted to remember the star that came in Bethlehem and we wanted to do it through the word of God. How many know what those days were like? I wonder if we could get back to the days when we don't forget about the one who is breathing in our life. Amen. The word was made flesh and spirit and written form. The Bible is the voice of almighty God dictated through the pen of human writers. Thank God for his word. Somebody say, thank God for his word. If you're going to be a student of the word, that's windblown. <laughs> it's weathered. It's, it's stand the, stood the test of time. If you're going to be a study of the word, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Because if you're going to understand what God has breathed, you need to have the breath of God in you to understand what God has breathed. Understand that your revelation is given to you, yes, in the oneness of God and different things like that. And you can't go away from that. I understand that. But revelation is given by God. That star was meant to remind us that he is the light. And that light is always from him and through him, brothers and sisters. We cannot think that we have this all figured out. This is not a book to be conquered, brothers and sisters. This is not something to memorize and to put down and read through every year and get to the point where you have conquered and mastered the word of God. You never master what the master wrote. You never beat this book, brothers and sisters. This is not something to be conquered. This is something that is alive and living and it speaks to your life everywhere you are. When you flop it open it deals with your day and your season you're living in right now, brothers and sisters. You have to know that this is a word for you every single day. And when you come here, you leave encouraged. Why? Because the Holy Spirit that is in you gets reinforced by the Holy Spirit that's in the word. And God starts breathing. And God starts moving. And you feel alive in his presence. And suddenly you walk away and you go, I remember the star. I remember the light that's come to me today. I remember the hope. And revelation comes to your life through him and his spirit, brothers and sisters. 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14, which these things also we speak, not in the words which, man, which men's, man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. Everybody say the Holy Ghost is the teacher. You have to have the Holy Ghost to understand the Word of God. Revelation comes from the Holy Ghost. 
Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. They are full. Yeah, I know people say it's foolish to come to church that often. I know people say it's foolish to read your Bible that often. But it's foolishness unto men that don't have the Spirit of God on them. But to us, it is our necessary food. It is our substance in our life, brothers and sisters. So we know that... Neither can he know them, the Bible says. It's foolishness, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can they know him or know them because they are spiritually discerned. Luke 24, 45 says, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scripture. Anyone can read and understand Scripture the same way they would understand a newspaper or a book, etc., anything like that. However, the Holy Ghost must open understanding for the layers of meaning found in the Scriptures, for the layers of meaning that are given to us through God. The Jewish people used to call it a word that now is in seminary called hermeneutics. Everybody know what hermeneutics is? It's the application of the Word of God in, in simple uh, layman's terms. The Jewish people had understood the patterns in the Bible, and they would study the patterns called Hebrew hermeneutics. They would literally study those patterns, and they believed that the Torah can be understood in four different levels. Number one is in Peshat. That's how they would say it, literally the direct or the simple meaning of the Word of God. That's one layer. There's another layer to the word of God. How many are grateful that the star shines in many layers? Amen. There's another layer who's remez, and that was the allegory significance or a hint at something deeper. Everybody say simple. That's one layer. Hint. Everybody say hint. That's another layer of this God-breathed book. And then Duresh was their other word in the homilitical. It's the homilitical or practical application or parabolic applications. What Jesus did when he was on the earth, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The word of God has a third layer, and it gives you an understanding that God is like this, and God is like that, and you can apply it to your life. Everybody say simple. Everybody say hint. Everybody say parabolic. And then the third one is sowed. This, the Hebrew word sowed, which is the mystical or hidden meaning or the secret meaning. And you only get to the secret meaning if you understand the first three meanings of the word of God. So some people read it and they only get to the simple meaning. And they're like, well, that's nice. That's a nice story. That's a nice parable. But then they get down to the point where they're, they're, they're looking at the hints. If you go any deeper, you start to get into a place where only the Holy Spirit can open the secret places of the word of God are not available to the general public, brothers and sisters. This is not open for everybody's interpretation. This is where the Holy Spirit literally gives you a deeper understanding of the word of God. And if you don't get past the simple, you don't get past the hint, and you don't get past the parabolic, you will never step into the secret places of the word of God. But if you ever get into a place of prayer, if you ever get into a place where God is breathing on you, and you flop open that anointed, powerful, name of God and the word of God, you will see so much beautiful, beautiful things come to light in your life. The secret things of God. He'll show you things. He'll illuminate things. He'll be the star in that moment. Don't forget the star. It's the way that you find the deeper things in the word of God. Somebody said amen. For those levels are given to us because God wants us to know he's unsearchable. 
He is a light, but there is so much more depth to him. There's so much more to him. And that light needs to be remembered, that light that came to Jerusalem, that baby born when God did a new thing. Are you remembering him today? What God is trying to say to us today is whatever battle you're in, he wants his fight back. It's his battle, not yours. He wants his fight back. And the story and the understanding of Scripture and the love for the light that comes through Scripture and the illumination and the revelation that comes from Scripture only by God revelation, God's revelation to you will allow you to get it. Everybody say, get it. You will get it if you have walked with God long enough and spent time in his word. You will get it, and you will stop fighting battles that are not your battles. You will stop stressing yourself out about stuff that was meant to be bought and purchased and recovered and redeemed by a Savior. You will stop running down roads that don't lead to good things. Amen? You will only want to walk on the path that God has ordered for your feet. You will find yourself stepping into victory after victory victory and singing. I'm going to see a victory because you know you're walking with God. You were meant to stand your ground and walk his path. But when you do that, understand that you will have to face all of it, but you will not have to fight all of it. It's his fight. You just have to face it. If you have struggles in your life that are against this word, you don't have to win that battle. He's done it at the cross. But you do have to face it. You do have to face your addiction. You do have to get accountability. You do have to walk in a place where you're constantly seeking the star over your situation. But when you face it, it then it releases him to fight for you. And when you see, I'm going to see a victory, I don't care how many times it's tripped you up. If you're watching that star, if you're looking to the sky, to that star, Jesus Christ, the path gets easier when your focus is on the right things, brothers and sisters. Remember Jesus. Remember who he is to us and that his fight is our victory. And so when we talk about the star, I wonder if maybe we couldn't be the little boy asking Grandpa, what's your favorite gift from Christmas? And we could all return the same response. Don't forget the star. He's the star of the show. He's the star of my life. He's the star of my story. All the things that brought me to that manger didn't matter when I got to that manger. All the things that got me there, it wasn't as important because it only spoke of him. It doesn't matter what's in my past as long as I have brought it to Jesus and given it fully to him. Then I can celebrate him and I won't forget who he was and what he was. Would you stand with me in the house of the Lord? Brother Reese is going to help us with communion today because we're going to remember the star. I hope this message has empowered you, made you want to go home and read your Bible this afternoon, made you want to go home and just spend time in the presence of God, maybe remind you that the breath of God renews your breath, renews your life, and that being at rest in him sets you free. Brothers and sisters, wise men, still remember the star and seek him. Wise women, 
still follow that star. Regardless how hard the road, the journey will be worth it because when you focus on that light, it leads you to Jesus. It will always lead you the right way. You will never get lost when you follow the right star. Don't follow your heart. Don't follow your ways. You're not the star of your story. Jesus is the star of your story. I don't care what has broken down or what you have focused on that was different, that has caused troubles and problems. If you put your focus back on the right star, he'll make everything work together for good. Amen? That's what it really means. Even your mistakes become effective in the hands of the star of the story. Even your broken places are mended when you stand at Jesus' feet. Lord, help somebody to remember you today. As we go into communion, I pray that maybe we could have some accompaniment. Maybe we could have some help here with some, some background music as we begin to focus on Jesus. What I want us to do for a minute is take a moment and just place everything at the manger. Maybe you've had moments where you followed a different star. Maybe you had moments of pride or arrogance where you thought you were the star of the show and you had things to do and places to be and people to see. But I wonder if we could set all that baggage down, if we could just leave that all with the camels and walk up to the manger today and remember Jesus. Would you help me just take a moment of prayer? And I want you to do a soul search because we don't want to take communion unworthily. We don't want to do it in a way that doesn't reverence him. And so today as we take communion, Jesus, we lay down everything we are, everything we've been, so that we can stand before you, so that we can remember what you came for, that you died and you rose again, that you washed our sins in your blood, and that that sacrifice was the perfect sacrifice for all of time. We confess that over our lives. We believe it. We know it is sufficient. We know it is the lamb slain from the foundations of the world that you gave yourself, that when the fullness of time was come, you sent your son. You sent that flesh, that death sacrifice. It would be a cross that you would die upon. You were born and laid in a manger with straw and wood and later would die on a cross made of wood and you would come to give us light. We thank you for being the star over our life. We thank you for being the light in our life. Lord, we're not just celebrating what you do for us, but we're celebrating for what you have done for us. So we remember today in this communion service moment, we remember you and we commit to never forget the star, the one who made it all possible, Jesus Christ. If you're to my left on this side, would you come down and take communion and go back to your seats around the far side? If you're on my right, come down the center aisle, take communion and go back around to the, to the left and begin now if you would like. All can take communion that wants to. There's no one that is left out. This is how we remember the star. This is how we do our best to never forget him.
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Beautiful Savior. Beautiful Lord. Thank you. If you open the top to get to the wafer, you will see that there is two different layers to it. The one is the communion wafer, and the second opens to the cup and his blood and his sacrifice. And we will take it together, all together, once you get it open. Scripture tells us that we do communion in remembrance of him. It does not tell us that communion saves us. That is a religious construct. That is not how God designed it. And if you've come up in that tradition, God bless you for being faithful. But there's a greater understanding. And that is that communion reminds us of what he did to save us. Communion doesn't save us. It's what we do to remember the star who came and saved us. And in that, we have his body and his blood that was broken and shed for us. And so in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, it says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus that same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Would you take of the bread, break, and eat in communion? After the same manner also took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of the star, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show, or you show, the Lord's death till he come. Let us drink of that cup. Thank you, Jesus. Take a moment with the Lord. Remember him.
This altar is open. We've celebrated the star today. If you want to pray, that's fine. Come and pray. If not, God bless you as you go today. But take some time to remember the star.